welcome, lovely listener, to the Happily Ever Investor podcast. I'm your host, Mark Dodaro, and I'm thrilled to have you with me here today. Whether you're a first-time investor, a seasoned pro, or somewhere in between, you're in the right place. So buckle up and let's dive into the fascinating world of real estate. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I want to discuss interest rates, the market sentiment, and I want to touch on my personal investment strategy. So let's start off by discussing interest rates. I have met with so many mortgage professionals, wealth advisors, pretty high-level wealth advisors at, at the various banks over the last few weeks, and they're all telling me that the variable rate mortgage has started to creep up in terms of the product of choice by many investors and borrowers. So six months ago, it was probably represented, I would say three to 5% of borrowers or renewals were going variable. But most recently, I was told it's up to like 13, 14%. And that's not surprising, right? Because there's been a lot of talk recently about interest rates falling next year. But the timeline is kind of all over the place. You're hearing people say, and again, take everything that you hear with a grain of salt because I, I digest a lot of social media, as I said in other uh, podcasts, but you have to really consider the source because I'm hearing everything from Q2, midsummer, to all the way, like I heard a guy yesterday say that rates are going to drop in January. And we all know that's not true. I mean, I mean, I can almost bet the farm that they're not going to go down in January. But this, <laughs> I don't want to say who he is, but basically he's reporting on his uh, social media that, that rates are going to drop in January, and that's just not the case. So consider the source. But news travels pretty quick. And with the social media and the news, 24-hour news cycle being what it is, the mere rumor that rates are expected to drop by next summer, that piece of news took right off. And everyone sort of has their own spin on it, but we all are waiting and watching just the same as you are. There's no um, nobody who has intel as to what's going to happen. We're all sort of predicting based on what we hear and the data that is presented to us. So just take it with a grain of salt because you, know, you got to just consider the source where it's coming from and, and what their motives are. So we're not sure what the bank has in store for 2024. Can we see a drop? I think it's reasonable to do so if the conditions continue in the right direction. However, doesn't mean that it's a linear path to 1% again. How many drops? It's dependent on many factors, including inflation is settling and dropping steadily, the economy, our jobless claims, household debt, et cetera, et cetera. There's many factors. Um, and so... It'd be nice to see a drop, but if we do, you can bet that the Bank of Canada will have a measured approach to, to dropping rates, right? They don't want to drop them too quickly and uh, reverse all the hard work that they have done over the past two years. So I think we can all agree a drop will be nice, but fixed rates have already begun to drop. Um, I think they dropped uh, this week about 20 basis points, which is good, but the variable hasn't moved just yet, and they'll make the announcement on that at their next meeting. Needless to say, what's happening in the marketplace, it, it's pretty dried up at this point. It's, we're, we're in December first week, and the sentiment is kind of like that awkward silence at the family dinner, and it's probably at its lowest point in years. Chatter surrounding real estate is pretty pessimistic. The investor is waiting to buy. The first-time buyer is waiting. The move-up buyer is waiting. 
But I remember the same exact predicament last year in the same time frame, November, end of November to end of the year. And the, it was pretty slow at that time as well. And I think that I remember I had a client who wanted to put their house for sale and I told them to just hang on and hold off because it wasn't the best time to put their house for sale. And, and they did wait, they did listen, and we did end up um, achieving what they had desired. So again, at this point of the year, I would just advise everyone just to wrap it up and you know start fresh in the new year. There are a number of agents who do encourage people to put their houses for sale at Christmas time because a lot of the existing stock sort of starts to come off the market and you know they're advising that you put it on so that you're you know uh, it's a new listing and and one of very few listings out there and you probably would get the sale if someone was looking to buy. But I don't know, in my opinion, I, I think that you want to put your house and show it in the best light and in the best markets. And so uh, traditionally, the holiday season is not the best market. It's actually probably one of the worst markets. Um, so I never advise people to put it their home or their investment property for sale at this time of year. However, having said that, I did sell a house on Christmas Day, and that was probably 10, 12 years ago. It's not to say it can't happen. It can happen, but it's but it is sort of an anomaly if it does. So I think people should just take a breather and enjoy their families at this time of year, take a holiday, relax, and uh, hit the ground running in the new year. So let's get into my favorite part of the show, which is the FAQ segment, or as we like to affectionately refer to it as the fuck segment of the show. This is where we answer three questions surrounding the topics of discussion. So let's get into it. So our first question is, if you were a betting man, when and how much will rates drop by next year? So I don't have a crystal ball, unfortunately, and I never like predicting, but from everything that I'm hearing in the marketplace, again, depending on the data, I would guess we should see at least two drops by next year. Um, when they're going to come, nobody knows. And I would say each drop would be at least 0.25 or 25 basis points each drop. And I'm going to leave it there because I don't have anything else to say and expand on that answer. So uh, let's get into the next question. So it is, how can we buy something on the investment front and still make sense when it comes to finance? So it's great questions. And what I am working on is building syndicates of buyers to pool the money to invest in real estate. So in particular, I have right now, I'm putting together two groups. One is on the commercial side of things. We are putting together three to four investors to put down at least 50% down payment to invest in a commercial property in the city of Toronto with a purchase price of around four, four and a half million dollars. If the property is something that I'm going to be interested in, I'll be the fifth partner because I will put my skin in the game if it's something that is exciting to me and something I can develop. So that I'll be goal partner as well. And the second group is actually an interesting group that I'm trying to put together. And I think I'll complete it probably by the end of the year. It is a group of first time investors that are looking to invest in residential condos. So it's the same idea, but these groups entry point will be lower. It'll be probably six to $800,000 range with again, 50% down payment. So as a loan investor, it's very difficult to find someone who has 50% down payment. But when you pool it together to, let's say on a $600,000 purchase, to come up with $300,000 between four people, it is $75,000 each. And I think it's pretty 
doable. And I think that, I think the idea is good to pool the money, invest in it. Let's say, so you secure it. And then the intent is to ride this high interest rates period, to ride it out. And then at the end of it, when rates fall and they will fall, however long it takes, the investors will refinance at that point, pull a majority of their equity out, and then just keep doing what real estate does, renting it out. Capital gets gets paid back to the investors and the mortgage loan gets paid down. So, and the reason why, because they're first-time investors. So um, we picked the condo space and rather than go into a detached house with multiple units in it, it wasn't as a first investment, I think this is fantastic. And the investors are fully aware of the situation, what's going on in the condo market. It's getting pummeled right now. Deep discounts are being had day after day. And I think it's a really good opportunity for them. So this is what they're comfortable with. And this is what I'm suggesting to them. And so we've assembled a group and now we're just going to go out and start buying. And so we'll probably buy one. And then as the year progresses, they're going to probably see that, hey, this is making a lot of sense. Before the market takes off, I'm going to get into another one. So, so anyway, that that's the thinking behind it. So that's you know how you can still invest and and have it make sense. So let's dive into the final question, and that is, what is the best advice you can give an existing investor who owns some properties but is in a holding pattern? So as a fellow investor, it's not natural for us to stop doing what we love doing, and that is making deals and finding uh, properties to invest in. So, um, But if you don't want to invest right now, I get it. What I would be doing is I'd be giving your portfolio a hard look and see if you are leaving any money on the table anywhere. For instance, is there an opportunity to increase rents, renovate any suites to generate a higher rate of return, converting units from perhaps office to residential or residential to office. 10 to 12 years ago, I was advising clients who had store and apartments to convert them, the second floors to offices to avoid dealing with the headache of dealing with residential leases. So fast forward to 2023 and we are, and and now we need to pivot away from office for obvious reasons and back to residential because the demand is so high for residential and the rents have caught up with almost office space that it will make sense again. So so that's something that I'm advising to the clients now, but um, perhaps deal with deferred maintenance. You know, now that trades are slower and prices, you know, you can negotiate pricing with them, you could perhaps get some of that deferred maintenance taken care of, or, you know, maybe look at paying down some debt so that your return is higher. You know, maybe do it, put some cash in now to refinance later, but you need to use this time of inactivity to improve your current situation. Continue to look at properties in person weekly in your category of choice, sort of become an expert because when this market flips and it will, you won't have the time to do all these things because of the increased competition and the speed of how properties will be scooped up. So you need to sort of take this time, you know, refine your operations as a as a owner or an, and a landlord and just sort of clean up any inefficiencies at this time. So I hope I answered that question. And uh, if there are any further questions, you can just write to me or just leave a comment uh, below. The last topic I just want to cover real quick is... 
my personal investment strategy. Now, again, this is, it's not rocket science. It's my personal investment strategy. And this is not for everyone, uh, but this is what I've done uh, sort of, you know, from a macro level. This is, there's nuanced activities that go on within my portfolio and, and pivots that happen. But generally speaking, by and large, this is my investment strategy. When the market is increasing in price and things are on the, things are rising and interest rates are good and everything everyone's feeling great about real estate, I tend to flip properties in that time, whether it be one property or three properties. But every year I am flipping something, either a condo or a house or a commercial property. I'm adding value and then I'm turning it over. So that is a continuous activity that I've done for the last 21 years, maybe longer. And the other part to the strategy is I have properties that I hold on to no matter what happens in the marketplace. And I keep adding to that portfolio indefinitely. Those properties, the legacy properties, could be a condo that we purchased many years ago or something that can't be replaced because of virtue of its uh, location or even the entry point. Like if I bought something at a really, really good price that I know I'll never see that price again, it doesn't make sense for me to sell it. It makes sense for me to just refinance it and hang on to it. So that's what I've done basically over my career. And it's allowed me to sort of grow. And my strategy has been been pretty uh, on point and it has been effective for me. But one thing I've never been is married to any property. And if the price is right, I will sell and repurpose that money and use it into another investment. But not everyone is like me or can do what I know I'm capable of doing, which is finding great deals, finding distressed sellers. So how do you do that? Well, being in the business as long as I have, I've developed a network of clients that own many assets and I have either sold them the properties or I manage their assets for them. And I also have an access to a realtor network that I have nurtured over the years. They know that when they want to move a property quick, they call me first to see if anyone in my group wants to buy it. I have put together dozens of off-market deals, both for buyers and sellers. It's been proven, like it does work, and I've been able to sort of put the buyer and the seller together to, to create a deal. So I've also put clients together to form partnerships, right, in order to make a deal happen. So for instance, you know, they didn't know each other prior to the deal, and then they... I told them about the opportunity, I put it out to my group, and then you know a couple uh, people responded. And so I've put people together to form a joint venture to purchase the property. And now that property is under Lee Croft Real Estate Management, which is a company that I uh, founded, and we look after their property for them. So it's, uh, it's a win-win for everyone. So to end the podcast, I'd like to end it with a quote. And the quote is, in the real world, the smartest people are the people who make mistakes and learn. In school, the smartest people don't make mistakes. And that's by Robert Kiyosaki. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Happily Ever Investor podcast is officially in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you found value in what we had discussed and want to dive deeper into the world of real estate investing, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, take care, keep those investment dreams alive, and let's catch up again soon. Happy investing.